Well, welcome back. It's the Mad Beef Australian Rollerblading Podcast. I'm here with Ian Smith again. It's so good to be doing these with you, Ian. And we're going to talk today about uh, trying to work with your local council to improve existing skate parks and even get new ones up and running. Now, that's something you've done, Ian. Um, You've pulled together a group with a bunch of others, not just bladers, but other people, um, interested people, to actually work with a local council to help them not do dumb things. Yeah. Yeah, Well, look, in in the past, I've done it a few times, but um, more recently, I actually got together with a group of skateboarders who were more interested and um, a couple of uh, BMX bike riders who uh, own bike shops and things around uh, Canberra. And um, yeah, they're... They're a little bit more mature and the, the rollerblading community is a little bit more sparse and it's harder to get a hold of them. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically uh, getting in touch with the right people. And um, so uh, long story short, we were, we were looking at maintenance issues. So uh, going to skate parks and seeing that lights were out, seeing that there was a hole in the deck of the vert ramp or the mini ramp or that... Um, a contractor had came in and, and bodged up a maintenance job and, uh, you know, we yep. just sort of had enough of, um, you know, people getting it teren- like horrendously wrong. And, um, yeah, in the past I've seen some really, really bad things. We had Because uh, um, damage, damage is dangerous, but then a bad fix can also be just as dangerous as the damage that was meant to be getting fixed, right? Yeah, exactly right. And sometimes they don't even think about what they're doing. There really is very little thought in, um, in the actual end product. We had, um, like, I just saw the maintenance getting to the point where they were doing stuff where it was just making things worse. Uh, putting uh, chopped out pieces into coping that have been bashed around by skateboard uh, um, trucks and bike pegs uh, hitting enough and these things flatten out. So they go and replace that piece of coping, except um, they're not replacing it flush, they're not replacing the whole piece of coping. Uh, They're actually cutting out pieces of the coping and then slotting it in, leaving gaps on either side like sharp edges and um, corners and things where you can get stuck on or cut yourself or damage your equipment. And, um, you know, it's, it's not just... You know, me as a you know thirty-something-year-old skater, there's little kids doing this stuff, and um, you know we don't need them to be unnecessarily hurt. Because, um, like I was saying, I saw that happening, and it just took me straight back. I, had this I don't know if you've seen the um, mm. the unusual. I think it's the unusual rollerblading pics Instagram, where they that one of the things they keep showing is these images of like skate parks, like with just like a fun box completely surrounded by grass, uh, or um, I, I've you know, seen a couple like that. Uh, just these sort of things you go wow like there's actually thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars being given to some tiny moronic little you know whatever american town and they've just built something that cannot be used by anything except like a a monkey on a bicycle in australia too yeah in in canberra there's i think it was 18 uh registered skate parks and some of those skate parks are literally just concrete over a bump and you wouldn't know where they are (laughs) And I doubt they're ever used because they are just horrendously unusable. Um, but thousands of dollars were yeah, spent on them. Yeah, yeah. Someone paid <laughs> a lot of money to have that bump. For the youth. And then, For the youth. You know, yeah, slap yeah. some concrete over the top of it. But to anybody yeah. who's not like a five-year-old kid on a scooter, you know, other than perhaps some skateboarders doing some, like, I don't know, kickflips off it or something, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Uh, so, so you're saying, like, in the end, though, that these guys who are trying to make this all work in these departments of councils, they're just just sort of random guys in their 40s or 50s who 
how 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 they're meant to know, you know, and well, so they don't have people helping them. And well, their problem is yeah. they don't they don't actually know the issues. They see the the maintenance and they go down and they hear the the people saying that there's a problem with this. And one example I was going to bring up, uh, which really annoyed me, and I, lo- I wrote a lot of nasty letters to the council, was back in Sydney, um, in Fairfield City Council, they had a nice um, skateboard bowl, is what they yep. called it. Uh, basically a bowl with ramps all around it, and beautiful, easy easy to get around, uh, nice copings and all that sort of stuff, but it had graffiti all over it. And the council, in their wisdom, uh, came, sandblasted the graffiti off, um, so they turned it from a decent skate park into something that was just unusable because it was like sandpaper to fall on. It was terrible. Um, mm. But then uh, they'd been recommended this graffiti-proof paint, uh, which is like a clear lacquer, which they put over everything. Oh, good. <laughs> made the park absolutely slippery. unusable. It was the most slippery yeah. thing that I'd ever seen. I went there in the middle of the day, summer, there was, you know, it wasn't dewy. There was no water on the ground. It was nothing yeah. like that. And it was like an ice rink with rollerblades on. You wow. couldn't turn. If you tried to deviate from a straight line, you would slip out. And I just wrote... Which can be the many, issue many with um, graffiti itself, ridiculous. right? But um, that's well, a whole other level. Graffiti yeah. can be, um, but mm. it's usually not too bad because it's not so yeah. invasive. It soaks into the concrete it, and actually makes it's the concrete not, last... But a lacquer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was one of the things that we brought up, um, you know, with the with the council saying how it's better off to try and um, get actual artists to come in and uh, and mm. do murals and those sorts of things because you know your little tags and that sort of stuff are less likely to put their little name uh, on top of something that somebody's actually artistically gone and, and built something beautiful and um, and those you know those sorts of spray paints that they use when they're creating those murals aren't damaging to the concrete they actually end up making the concrete last longer. It's easier to, um, in many cases, uh, to roll on and fall on because it doesn't become as grippy as concrete um, usually is. Yep. Uh, it can be slippery. And um, if you're in a dusty environment, I know I skated a, a, a skate park in Mount Isa that's covered in, um, mm. in graffiti. And uh, it looks like a lot of it was, uh, you know, council-approved graffiti. Uh, but uh, because it's quite dusty there, a lot of red dirt... Yeah, okay. Uh, it becomes quite slippery at the bottom and, uh, you know, with sand in the air, that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, so in those sorts of cases, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. You never know. Um, yep, but yep. basically, we were seeing these people, uh, we were seeing these issues uh, with lights out and maintenance neat being done. And uh, I was uh, constantly, like, annoyed with the lights out. And one day, I was just sort of pointing it out to one of my friends going, what the hell's going on? And I know up the front they have uh, these little Fix My Park uh, is the, the website we can go to. And uh, you basically call uh, Parks and Recreation or email Parks and Recreation and tell them there's a light out or something's wrong with this park or that park or that uh, footpath. And, um, and that's fine. But uh, they were taking way too long to fix some things and some things they weren't fixing correctly. So um, I was just sort of mentioning it to a friend and... Um, uh, while I was talking to him, a skateboarder came over to me and just sort of mentioned and got, and we were getting involved in the, um, the conversation about uh, fixing of this park. And um, he mentioned that uh, he was uh, trying to commission some sort of group of people and asked if I would like to be 
uh, involved and represent rollerblading. And, awesome. you know, I was all there. Like, you know, I've been yeah. spending my time writing strongly worded emails. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get in there. Um, Channel the rage constructively. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, and then that's awesome. this is kind of it. Because I'd done yeah. it in the past, um, but I'd never yep. sort of sat down and thought, yes, this is what needs to be done because, you know, I'm an adult yep. now. Uh, before yep. you were just a kid and just did whatever the adults say, yes, sir, I'll go to this meeting and say that skate parks are important. Um, yeah. But what you don't realize is you can actually go out there and speak to these people. And um, they've, they do have budgets for you. And all you have to do is make sure that they're putting the budgets in the right way. So, um, yeah, we went and, and uh, organized a meeting. Uh, we wrote a lovely little essay and um, said what we were planning, which was basically that we wanted to be a, um, an advisory committee. And there was uh, at least six members of a, a floating group who were all contactable. And uh, we would be put on a, a list of people who, um, who would be advisors. And um, our idea was that any time that uh, money was going to be spent on equipment out of the norm... That, um, that they would come and talk to us. And then on a, um, on a quarterly basis, we sit down in a room with uh, a couple of counsellors and some maintenance people uh, who would actually be doing the work and talk to them. We'd go through photographs of the equipment and yep. um, all of the issues written down on a nice big spreadsheet and uh, talk about what we've done in the past, who we've dealt with, uh, yep. specifically uh, talking about manufacturers, like uh, individual companies that we know because, you know, we're now adults and we know about, you know, convict uh, skate parks and we know like a lot of these different companies. And uh, when they, when the, the contractors start talking about the, the different types of concrete that they use, that's, that's fine. Uh, but do you actually know how to make the shape of the ramp usable for us when it comes to making these things? Um, so yeah, we got a meeting, sat down with the honorable uh, Stephen Rattenbury and um, we um, spoke to him for about 45 minutes on the subject, and uh, he agreed to that. So, um, yeah, now we have uh, quarterly meetings where we sit down with uh, a bunch of people in suits and a couple of contractors and some tradie-looking people and um, talk about maintenance things. And, um, yeah, it's, it's worked for the most part. Uh, there was a few things that we've talked about uh, to do with safety, um, there's quite a big thing with local skate parks where you can't have a drop of more than, I think it's 1.2 metres without having a guardrail. Um, right. So that, uh, yeah, if you have a, have a quarter pipe, and I remember, you know, back in the 80s and all that sort of stuff, you'd have, or I, would, I was a bit young at that time, but um, definitely even through into the 90s, you have these uh, ramps that didn't have rails at the back of it, or they had a very, very yeah. close rail uh, to the actual ramp. And... Um, yeah, it, it starts to sort of put into focus why they're actually doing these things, um, why there's no rail on this and why there is a rail on that. And it's, it's basically to do with um, the rules that, uh, that these contracts mm. by the government yeah. about public safety. And, yeah. um, you know, in, uh, in the instance of Belcon and Vert Bowl, uh, this is a, a big hole, you know, a 12-foot deep round hole in the middle of the earth, and it didn't have any railings or anything around it. And um, one day, some guy was a little bit tipsy walking home from the pub and decided that he would be champion of the world and jump into the ramp and ended up being in a wheelchair. And, um, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Uh, but 
it's not the bowl's fault. It's it's clearly not the use the use case for that. Uh, and you know, it's obviously when you're inebriated, you shouldn't be around anything yeah. close to that sort of stuff. But um, it ended up that the council needed to put in uh, signage and a fence. And when we first spoke to them, uh, the council were talking about putting in a railing about 1,200 uh, back, so less than uh, a metre and a half yeah, yeah. away from the edge of the bowl. I'm like, that's ludicrous. You can't do that. Like, it'll yeah. be in the way of everything. And yeah. um, so we ended up moving it much, much further back. And, um, yeah, we came to a, a compromise. And, um, you know, they could have turned this iconic bowl in Canberra into something that was far less usable. Yeah, so it's so good. So so let's let's give some advice to people. So... Um, uh, I'm just going to throw like a whole bunch of sort of things, assuming a person doesn't have a whole lot of experience and you can just give short answers to this stuff. So first of all, if you want to do this sort of thing, do you have to wear a suit What if you're going to these sorts of meetings or do you just wear whatever you're wearing? No, no, you are you and you are you because mm. you know what you know. You don't have to be somebody else. You are exactly who you are. I was uh, working uh, in corporate Australia at the time, so I went to several of these meetings in suits. But, but your expertise into... is yeah. whoever you are. So, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Good, good. So you don't um, have to be anything. Awesome. That's really good uh, to know. Um, uh, second thing, what about in the situation, and maybe this is drawing on pre-Canberra knowledge, but what about the situation if you're like, you know, I've, I know a guy here in Tassie who's just moved back to an area of Tassie where there's hardly anything. What about in the situation where you really go, we need we need a, something built. So this isn't maintenance issues, but this is how do I, you know, I don't even know how much this costs. Will they be open to doing it? Would, any advice on that? The, the person who's in the small Aussie town or region or area of a city where we need something from scratch, is that doable? What would you be advice be to that person? It's definitely doable. Don't ever think that it's not doable. These things aren't free, uh, but there's always... Uh, money for these things. There's budgets. It might not be this year. It might not be next year, but budgets can come if there's nothing. Because um, these things are, are very well known now. I know, um, you know, back when we started doing this sort of stuff in the late 90s, started uh, commissioning councils, which is basically just going to your councillor or sending an email to your local council and saying, we want a structure built. And then um, they usually create a forum. So they'll have a, a public meeting They'll advertise for a bunch of people to come in. You can go in, speak if you want or not, because some people are better public speakers than others. And, mm. um, yeah, just say your piece. And really, um, these things are, are good for uh, youth. They're good for fitness and uh, for keeping people active and constructively, um, you know, going out and doing things. And, um, you know, family activities, they can use lots of different um, uh Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, You're right. There's lots of different apparatus that you can put into these things that can make them great for, you know, beginners and experts. And if you go in with a mindset of who is your demographic, um, you know, who are the people that are going to be using it? Because it's not just yourself. And, um, and that's where there is money available because it's not just for you. You're not, don't think that you're going into this as a selfish thing. You're doing it for the community. Yep. So you're doing it for rollerbladers, scooters, uh, skateboarders, bike riders, you know, guys on unicycles, people with shoes on, kids that are going to slide down the ramps on their bums. You're doing it for all those people. And um, you can't just uh, think of it as yourself. 
So in terms of people, we've talked about uh, like the kind of parks or recreation or youth services, these sorts of areas of council. There's skate parks. There's any uh, youth community organisations. These are all people that you could potentially tap. Um, skate shops, you know, people you could tap to say, hey, I'm thinking about this. Yeah, Do definitely. you have any any advice, any ideas, any interest, and some of these people may, you know, you just chat to them and they're suddenly going totally and, and they'll open doors for you. Well, any I'm other sure people in that, that kind of list that you, you reckon would be, be worth? To, yeah, go to anybody who sells uh, skate stuff or bike stuff, all of those things, people that are selling things, people ha- that have something to gain by the growth of the industries, not just... Well, even industry. youth workers as well, right? Because often they go, if something like this happens, that's where they do their outreach barbecue to then connect with, with youth and be able exactly. to be a port of call to help troubled youth yeah. out of school or whatever. And yeah. so they might be interested to go, you know, yeah, we want to help do these sorts of things. Exactly yeah. right. And there's always people out there trying to, trying to promote this sort of activity because it is positive. You know, it's kids getting out there and physical and, you know, ever since I can ever remember, parents just want to get their kids to go outside the house and do something physical that's positive, you know, potentially dangerous, but going out there and doing something with their friends and not, you know, skulking around the back of a service station or something like that. And I don't know if you listened to the interview I did with the um, the female skateboarding group thing down here, but um, they, you know they also talk about words like resilience and um, you know friendship and all these sorts of things. Like there's you know something about that danger that does create uh, you know an amazing relationship context and resilience context, which is um, good yeah. stuff as well. I think yeah, for sure those sorts of experiences yeah. and building and learning yeah. together uh, yeah. make for some amazing friendships and friendships yeah, yeah. That, that go on far beyond any of the skating stuff that um, that anyone would end up doing. Cool. I'm going to ask two more questions and then you can say anything that we've left off on this topic, man. Really? Question num- n- number one, what's what's the unique thing rollerbraders bring to these kind of conversations? You know, like if there are skateboarders who are already doing all this stuff, why should we be you know, at the table? What are the, th- the, the things we should be looking at in a skate park that maybe the way we use it is different and that kind of thing? Any thoughts on that? Well, look, um, the, the skateboarders – uh, always seem to be there. They have a very strong presence, and especially within um, within smaller communities, you're more likely to see a couple of uh, skateboarders and BMX bikes than you will to see a rollerblader. So, I found that when I'm actually talking, um, I'm like legitimising the things that other people are saying. So I'm giving a yeah. lot more weight to it uh, because it's not just something that the skateboarder is going to use. Like if he said if a uh, a couple of skateboarders came in to one of the meetings that we were having and saying, yeah, yeah, we just want to turn everything into banks and square ledges. I would clearly say no. Yep. Um, but that's not what these guys are doing. If you can get some people who are, are more mature, some adults who are still interested in doing this stuff or someone in the, the community who has skateboarded in the past who can speak uh, with you, um, yeah, bike riders, any of those guys, and yep. you agree and um, you work together on solutions yep. for things because um, it really depends on what you want. We're all using the same stuff. We all have yep. uh, preferences, people like you know, vert ramps versus mini ramps versus rails, stairs. There's so many different things. And um, when you're talking about what can be done and what budgets uh, some of these councils have, they're pretty much in small towns going to make a little bowl with a couple of ledges and a couple of rails, and all you have to do is make sure that they do a decent job of it. 
Yeah, maybe um, as a blader, you mentioned square. So that's a little thing that we could say, you know, if we can have round rails rather than square rails and copings on a few more of the ledges rather than just sort of square edges, that won't affect a skateboarder, but it will make us happier. No, you put your flavour on it. And, um, and, I mean, individuals will learn to skate whatever they had. When when I started, we had no choice. We just (laughs) did what we did. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So you put your flavour on it, you legitimise what other people are saying by bringing another perspective to it. Is there anything else you want to say on building skate parks, things, uh, things to do, things to look for, annoy, just annoying things that you reckon are worth um, uh, keeping an eye out for and warning um, counsellors and builders of? Anything, anything else you want to say on this topic? Yeah, well, really, um, the, the big things seem to be making sure that they, they deal with graffiti properly. Uh, yep. Because that can be a huge one. It makes a lot of things either usable or unusable. Um, making sure that they include everybody uh, when they come to build some sort of ramp. Uh, there's a ramp right around the corner from here, and it's basically just like a, a half a taco shell with a coping <laughs> at the very top, and it's heavily unusable. It just it, it does nothing. Um, so someone obviously went and spent you know $100,000 building that and um, they've clearly wasted their time. So building something that will be more usable for more people. Um, so making something more basic, because a lot of the time people try to make things fancy and unique, and unless you're building something that's big and it has all of the basics as well, fancy and unique is not going to help. So um, generally when I talk about skate park design with people, I'm like, okay, where's your mini ramp? Okay, where's your vert ramp? Okay, where is your bowl? Where is your street course? How many round rails do you have? Do you have any flat rails? Where are your ledges? So think about the individual um, apparatus that they're going to put into it and what can they bring, and then you compromise. So um, you start with your basics, because there's no point having, (laughs) like you said, a beautiful uh, box jump that's you know surrounded by four feet of concrete either side. You know, yeah. it's pointless. Whereas if they had that same thing with uh, a twelve foot flat, they could make a nice mini ramp that would be usable by everyone. You know, yeah, same price. It's awesome, man. Uh, so we'll, fi- we'll finish off there, and um, and there'll be more to come. I guess the thing is as well, we're kind of keen with anything like this is you've, we've got Facebook groups for all our kind of regions, and then, you know, the Rollerblading Mad Play podcast has another, and and hopefully we can just actually share wisdom that way as well by just asking, you know, asking and, and pulling advice and opinions um, and actually using each other as a kind of forum base as well. So yeah. that's the other thing. But we'll um, sign off there. No worries. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch, theme music by Edifice Architect. You can find us on Facebook and SoundCloud or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have any questions, comments, requests or podcast contributions, please message us on Facebook. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a once-off or regular contribution. Even just two bucks a month, every little bit helps. See you later.